1: You're listening to a hundred words or less with Ray Harkins. Greetings, one, greetings, all. Hopefully, you're doing great today. I am excited. To bring you a conversation with people who are involved in punk, hardcore, indie rock, emo, metal, whatever you want to call it, that is what we document. It's of the independent variety, and uh, that's what we care about here. So, if it's your first time here, welcome. If it's your five hundredth time here, you're insane. I've only you know done five hundred and ninety of these things, (laughs) and if you've spent five hundred hours with me, that's like almost as much time as my wife. Oh my gosh, it's crazy to think about that. But anyways. I am going across the pond for this particular episode today. I am thrilled to welcome Jose Saxland. He is the vocalist for long running Swedish hardcore band Abananda. He also ran the very influential record label Desperate Fight Records. I ran it with Dennis from Effused. And if you were alive in the 90s and you cared about hardcore, you absolutely Bought a Desperate Fight release at some point because uh, basically everything coming over from Europe, Desperate Fight had some affiliation, whether the bands toured with it or whether they you know released music. How about the Straight Edge as Fuck compilations? <laughs> that was a thing, and uh, they were a great introduction for you know young people like me in the nineties, as I was like just. Drinking from the fire hose, of being like, wow, there's all these bands from over here, they're on the opposite side of the world, and I was just excited to know about it. But, this conversation came up because an amazing friend of the podcast, this record label called End Hits Records, they've done stuff from, you know, Don't Sleep, and Be Well, and Shelter Re-Releases, and a bunch of cool stuff, but they're doing a really, really cool Albananda box set, where they're bringing all of the Abananda releases together and making sure that uh, they get appropriately documented. So that's why this conversation is happening. You can absolutely find InHits records on all of the social media platforms. But more specifically, I will leave a link in the show notes to where you will be able to just click through, pre-order the box set whenever that goes live, I think in the next day or so. <laughs> just, uh, you know, follow along there. But That's why this conversation happened. I, myself, loved Abananda because they were just, like, emotional hardcore. It was definitely not yelling. It was shouting. It just hit all the things that I cared about at that particular time. And then as Jose and I discuss at the top of the show, we actually played a show together in twenty. I don't know, 11 or something like that it was really special for me to watch abananda and be like wow we're on the stage together in japan like this is so weird but it's so cool so anyways jose was a great chap he actually did this discussion when he was in berlin and uh sometimes the audio drops out just a little bit nothing that like really impacts the conversation but um you know just there's some connectivity issues but nothing that uh will, will throw off your listening experience i'm gonna continue to plug things on a weekly basis. But before I do that, you can always write the show, 100 podcast at gmail.com is the best way to reach out and connect. You can also leave a rating and review. This costs $0, and it helps out the show tremendously. You can do that on the Apple Podcast page, and you can also do that on the Spotify page, just a rating. And I I think I was reading some statistic that I think 3% of people... (laughs) When these, you know, these please go out on podcasts where that is, you know, because most people are like leaving reviews because they're angry at something. And, um, you know, it would be nice to like counterbalance any voices of negativity that exist on the Internet. So if you feel positively about the show, just be that, you know, lone voice saying, hey, you know what? If there's a a dissenter, someone that says this show sucks or whatever, how about I say this show is cool and worth your time? So anyways, just a little PSA. And it costs you, like I said, $0 and takes you maybe 30 seconds, maybe a minute. So anyways, please do that. And uh, let's keep on rolling with the recommendations. I... On a weekly basis, I will make sure to plug something that I've been listening to, and then I have a link in the show notes that you will be able to follow along with the recommendations as I compile them over the course of the whole year, and then, you know, hopefully you'll have some new music that you can check out. This one is, I would say, a selfish plug, but I'm actually just a friend of this person and a friend of the person who produced this, but this is a band called Mildura, Mildura, Mildura. i've actually never said that out loud which is crazy but anyways this is a band from southern california along the lines of like you know sort of power pop like if you're a fan of uh, super crush or you know anything of that ilk or maybe just some like classic mid-90s emo that is what this band does and they just released an ep called june and july it's five songs it's like 12 minutes, man, it is catchy as hell. And uh, the my friend Beau Bruchell, he produced this, and my friend Nick sings for the band, but put those professional relationships and personal relationships aside, this EP is an absolute banger. So please listen to it if you are into anything of what I just mentioned. And like I said, I will toss that into the recommendation playlist. That will be a link in the show notes and you can listen to all the stuff that I've recommended this week and all the previous weeks. So check it out for some new music. I don't know why I decided to put on that little um, accent there. But anyways, speaking of accents, Jose was a champ because, uh, I mean, he speaks English, but he also speaks Spanish, also speaks Swedish. And, uh, you know, I only know one language. So the fact that he was, uh, you know, courageous enough to be like, oh, yes, I will do this full hour-long conversation in English. And, you know, he was uh, not apologetic, but he was like, you know, English isn't my first language. I was like, dude, you're killing it. <laughs> so you did great. But anyways, follow along with End Hits Records as they release the Abenando discography. And uh, let's talk to Jose from Abenando right now. I'm from Southern California and I'm in my early forties. So I definitely got hit by the wave of, you know, Umea hardcore that was coming from your scene. And it, it always, it's it still to this day is very confusing for me because, you know, Umea is obviously a very small town. It's located it very far away from everything else. Yeah. And, it, I I know that much has been said about the scene exploding and obviously you guys and refused being a part of that and, you know, your group of friends basically helping build it up from nothing. But Mm. a question that I was curious about, like, when did you personally kind of notice your scene reaching outside of your own city? Like, you know, was it when you know, Victory Records started to, you know, sign bands from your area and stuff like that. When did you notice people paying attention?
2: Actually, uh, already like back in 93, we, we did our first, I mean, our first tour ever was in Norway, to be honest. And uh, people knew about us over there. And, and, and it was like a combination because we had just like a couple of songs released. Uh, But people got a hold of it in some way and then we did like all the bands do at the beginning we played a lot of covers that people knew i mean we did some mouthpiece songs we did some i don't know grill biscuits and all that stuff uh so and our second tour was actually uh like a a european tour with like belgium holland uh or the netherlands germany and people over there i don't know how but they also like had our we had like released our ep and people had it over there and and they knew the songs so so i don't know um i mean our two first tours were like outside of sweden and people knew i mean we went big but if there were like 60 or 70 people at the shows half of of them knew some of our songs um so, so I don't know. Right. I, I don't have a good question, uh, a good answer to that question. I think like, yeah. Uh, and then it went like yeah. growing from, from time, from tour to tour, but, but people knew a little bit about us, uh, at the beginning. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think I could, no, refuse, I, I mean, have the thing going. So yeah. One thing led to another right. and, and whatever.
1: Yeah. No. And there, yeah, I was just asking for your experience. And I just think, like I said, for me in particular, I mean, I was paying attention to everything that, you know, victory and new age and revelation and all that stuff. And I just found it like, you know, once you started to what's desperate fight, obviously started to put out records and, you know, it it seemed like there was something happening over there. And I'm like, you know, pre-internet Southern California. I'm like, how? Why is this happening over here? Like, I understand it's friends playing at bands, but I'm like, why? Why is all of a sudden everybody paying attention to this? You know, small town in Sweden. Like, it's okay. Okay, I guess that's what we're doing now.
2: We did good stuff. I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah. No. And and I I think you're right about that because I I what always struck me about scenes in general, whether it's you know Umea or whether it's like Louisville, Kentucky. You yeah. you have these bands that start and you see the influence that these bands have, but then everybody participates. And I think that's yeah. what helped with your scene where it's like you guys all, like everybody either started a band, started a record label, did a zine, like everybody participated.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, as you said, Ume is like a quite small town, so everybody knew everybody. I mean, and everyone wanted to do something if you want to do like a band you were doing like a record label or a fan scene or whatever because because like yeah we all wanted to take part uh, of that scene um yeah
1: yeah and putting the focus on you as a person i, I know you moved around a lot uh, as a kid with your your family um But you were actually born and raised in Umeå, right? And then you went to other places with your family.
2: Well, actually, not. I'm I'm born in in a town called Växjö, but we uh, like in south of Stockholm, actually. Uh, But we lived there for like one week, (laughs) Uh, and then we moved to Gothenburg. And no, then we moved to Umeå, and then we moved to Gothenburg, and then we started like moving around. And I got back to Umeå like when I was. Around 15, 16, uh, and spent like the whole, like my important years when it comes to hardcore in there. Cause I stayed there until I was like 24. When did I move to Stockholm? Yeah, 24. So those like five, six years were really, really important for me. And they like, yeah. <laughs> right. That's when, yeah. and- when I, I mean, hardcore seems like a lifestyle, like, Like something that i have done forever but to be honest we had those like five six seven years back in the 90s and that was that's what like it but
1: (laughs) yeah yeah well especially too like what you're talking about when everybody is contributing and starting bands like it, it feels like such a long period of time but then you look back at it and you're like Oh my gosh, like that right. was only a couple of years and everybody yeah, put out exactly. like all the records and yeah,
2: yeah totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so when you were traveling around, like, do you have brothers and sisters? What was your family structure? I have, I have, I have like tons of them. I have like eight brothers and sisters and, and like, I have like three sisters and six brothers actually. Uh, oh my God. Oh my God. siblings. Yeah. Yeah yeah i know i know but uh so but they weren't with me like all the time because um there's like a big age difference i think the one that comes after me is like nine years younger than me and then we had like a lot of them <laughs> in a short period Uh sure. so when the last the last one came already like moved out from my parents uh home and stuff like that so but yeah, yeah we right. we're, were a Tom.
1: yeah <laughs> and what what were your because you were doing so much traveling and moving around as a family um what were your parents doing for you know a living were they were they moving because of their jobs or was it were they just moving because there was new opportunities
2: I don't really know. Actually, it it, it was my my father uh, my my stepfather, to be honest. Uh, and he he couldn't actually adjust to any place, so he was just like moving all the time, trying to find his place um, that he actually never find uh, never found. So, so I don't know. He was like a vagabond or something like that. He he just couldn't adjust to any place in the world. And some people are like that, I guess uh yeah so yeah that made me kind of ruthless so those years in umeo meant a lot to me because of that because that was like the first time i found like uh i don't know that I could be a part of something uh so i guess that's why those years mean a lot to me and they were so important yeah. to me well you yeah. you
1: you had you had stability at that point, you know, because you were yeah. moving, a, yeah, you and you had a community outside of your family unit that you could exactly. trust.
2: Yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, cause, I and, mean, we were moving like every year because I could, as, as, as soon as I started like knowing people, we we moved. Uh, so when I came to, back to unit for a second time and I got into this hardcore thing, I found like my community, I found like my people, my Brothers and sisters, uh, outside my my own family, and and that was like really really important to me. And yeah, it meant a lot to me. And, and I guess that's why all those years, like, um, yeah, I, I think about them in a, in a really good way, and they mean a lot to me.
1: Yeah, well, and I think it's apparent to anybody who pays attention to you know, you and your musical output. I think the fact that so many people from your scene in particular, like, uh, you know, I, I always hate when you see people who, you know, grow out of punk or hardcore or whatever, and then kind of talk about it and make fun of it. You know, it's like, Oh, that's kid stuff or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it, it, it's like no, that's the like yeah. You don't need to listen to you know hardcore twenty four seven
2: like as you grow older. But well. you, still <laughs> <laughs> you can. That's fine. I, I, I just <laughs> kidding. I'm just kidding. I mean, I don't do that. But no. a, I, I hate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's just point that, in idea doing of... that
1: Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. A- and. So what was your, I mean, because you are, uh, you know, speaking different languages, like, you know, how many l- languages do you actually speak? Is it, uh, you know, a little bit of uh, English, uh,
2: you know, Swedish Sh- Sh- and Spanish. Uh, and then I'm trying to, to, to learn English along the way. I guess I'll get there someday.
1: <laughs> hey,
2: you're, you're, you're
1: much better than most people in America. Obviously <laughs> I can make fun of a I can make fun of Americans all day long because I am one, but it's yeah, a, yeah most of us know most of us barely know English, so it's okay, You're I'm doing great.
2: The difference is that I'm trying <laughs> people over there don't
1: <laughs> no, that's very true yeah they they download an app and use it for a week and then move on,
2: yeah, 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 yeah
1: <laughs> um so i I know you getting into punk and hardcore kind of came. Through metal, because that was like what you first got into. Um, how did you even like, I guess, get exposed to metal and then punk and hardcore a little bit later?
2: Uh, I mean, as you said, I I was like into Metallica and Slayer and um Sepultura and all that kind of stuff. So I went to a show with a band called Meshuga. I don't know if you know about them uh oh yeah like a Swedish metal band they they are actually from Umea as well and they played like a, a a local youth center in uh in Umea, and this band Step forward they were opening for Meshuggah and step forward is actually Dennis from, from Refuse band. It, that's the band that's turning into Refuse later. So when I saw them and when I saw the energy I just got like yeah wow what is this? <laughs> I was hooked. Right. I mean, when I, yeah, that was like something else. So the day after that show, I went to Demi's uh, apartment, actually, and he started to like teaching me, teaching me everything, like showing me all his records, like all the seven second stuff, the youth of today stuff, Gorilla biscuits. Well, all the classics. And I was hooked and I'm still hooked. I'm still there.
1: <laughs> right. So, so, so that's, you, that's my way for it. Sorry. Right. No, it's okay. I was going to say so you knew Dennis and the rest of the guys just because of kind of going to
2: shows together? Uh, actually, yes. I, I didn't know Dennis. I knew uh, David or David because um, he was like a, a metalhead as well. Um, he played in a metal band. And, and David is the guy that then um, started to play grumps and refused. Um mm. so I knew him and he he and he knew Dennis, so he put us together the day after this this hardcore show. Uh and and then I, I got to learn Dennis and I had to learn out everything about the hardcore scene. And that's right, how yeah. I discovered Straight Edge and I just like, yeah, well, the whole culture.
1: Right. Came from
2: <laughs> that's checking a, out Dennis that's, vinyls. <laughs> right. I was
1: gonna say Dennis is a, a very good teacher because he can just oh, he walk is. you through the entire history yeah, yeah, of hardcore. Yeah. And he
2: did, he did actually. <laughs> and I remember it's so, we we're like it's so, stage diving his bed and listening to like, yeah, well, everything. And then we started to to order records together from victory from UH from Revelation. So every time we got like a new package from the States, it was like Christmas for us. Um I, yeah. I love that. Yeah, I mean, and that's Yeah, so, Go ahead. No, no, no. I mean, because I remember like getting, I don't know, I can't. I mean, well, we got the outspoken, the current EP, the 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 vinyl, the seven inch, and just opening that and like putting it on. I mean, a lot of that stuff. Well, the outspoken is a really good one, but a lot of other stuff they kind of sucked, but we liked them anyways because it was like, oh, this is. Hardcore from california we have to we have to like it we're gonna listen to this song till we like it
1: (laughs) we have our friends at rockabilly.com talking to you about why you need to buy merch from them i for one can endorse them wholeheartedly and for two how about you use a promo code 100 words or less that gets you 10 percent off of your entire order, and you will be able to just bask in the glory that your new closet is going to be when you can look at their, they have a warehouse sale going on right now. And so I'm not going to pretend to know if that 10% is an addition to what they have on the site. But (laughs) regardless, this deep discount is something you need to check out. They sell officially licensed band merch from everybody from like the Grateful Dead and Bring Me the Horizon and Eminem and Kiss and Iron Maiden. I don't care what you're into, you'll be able to find something for yourself, for your loved ones, for, you know, family and friends. I mean, I guess those are all loved ones, but you get the point. Band merch is like one of my favorite things of all time. And so I love supporting Rockabilia, And in turn, I feel very lucky that they support the show. So again, use the promo code 100 words or less, 10% off of your entire order. And uh, it ships from the Midwest here in the United States of America, gets you lickety split and you will be able to benefit from this. in your closet will look a whole whole lot cooler. So rockabilly.com, dot Hundred words or less is a promo code. Go enjoy shopping. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different things that stress us out, right? Like maybe it's something really, really small. Like man, that parking space—it's always taken, and I wish that I would be able to like get it instead of you know this person that maybe you know is the most courteous and considerate. It's not like you could return to record. You're like, okay, looks like I, ha- yeah, I have to really get into this chorus of disapproval record or whatever.
2: Exactly. I mean, I was actually thinking about chorus of disapproval. I didn't want to say anything, but, a, but you could have said, like, me, okay. was- son of chorus, and, and that's it. <laughs> right. You're right on right. point. <laughs> I, well, I, I, I so
1: remember myself where I remember ordering from network sound. I remember ordering, you know, the ignite calling my brother's record yeah. and then the, you know, chorus of disapproval firm standing law. And you yeah. can't compare, you can't compare those records. The ignite record will win every time. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. why? I was like, I don't like, yeah, I was like, I don't like this course of disapproval record, but for you across the world, you're like,
2: well, <laughs>
0: I, I got so no I choice. Think. I got to like this record. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I got no choice.
2: I mean, <laughs> totally, same totally. stuff with like like I don't know, endpoint or whatever kind of bands from the states that yep. we just got the records to Sweden. We have been waiting for those for like 3 4 weeks. And when you get them like, oh, this sounds kind of shitty, but hey, I'm going to listen to it like 25 times and I'm going to start liking it.
1: <laughs>
2: yep. And,
1: exactly yeah. you you invest the time into it for sure
2: yeah 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 yeah
1: <sighs> and so h- how did you even get into metal in general was that because of you know i mean obviously a lot of people connect metal in sweden and it's a popular scene was that just because of like your friends being into metal or were you exposed to it via you know tv
2: or uh, how did that happen? not uh i had just like because we lived in argentina before i moved back to email uh right and i have been like abroad for like almost five years uh so um i got it was yeah yeah and we moved back and i didn't know anybody and i couldn't almost not speak swedish i mean it came back quite fast but if you haven't spoken a language for like five years you kind of forget it i mean you don't forget it but it's it's still there, but it takes some time to, to get used to it again and start using it. So I was I, I was quite alone. Uh and I didn't listen to music to be honest. But Sunday I just walked in into a record store and um and back in the days so you could like so if you saw a record, you could like go to the desk and ask them to put it on so you could listen to it before you bought it. Uh and actually, I saw the Metallica one 12 inch uh, with a partial cover, like uh, a skull or something—I don't even remember—but I did like the cover, so I told them to put that song on, and I just loved it. And I bought it, and after that, I just started buying Metallica records, and that got me to Slayer. And so I'm self-made; <laughs> Re- I just found it for myself. I saw like a record. Yeah cover one day and that got me to the music but i mean that got me it, to the metal scene and i started I, I i met some people there i met david i met a lot of other kids like playing metal music and yeah that's how yeah. everything started
1: no i i love when people talk about exactly what you said where it's like the artwork pulls you in because you know when Obviously, this makes us sound like we're 200 years old when we're talking yeah, we about are. just, yeah, we are <laughs> just, just looking at a record cover and being like, oh, there's something interesting about that. You can't describe it at as an 11 or 12 year old, but it just makes you feel something. And then, like you said, you bring it up to the counter and then they play it for you and you're like, oh my yeah. gosh, I need this. It's so beautiful. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's, <laughs> that's how I, 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 actually, that was one way and then the second thing this is like a couple of years later but uh we started to i mean i'm going somewhere else now but but it, uh through like uh skate movies skateboard movies oh um, yeah there were like a, a lot of unreleased songs and we knew like well like federal legion around uh, no, um yeah rancid no operation ivy sorry the one before it uh and all that kind of stuff the skate punk stuff we'll learn through like uh, like thrashing movies and stuff like that
1: Uh, yeah yeah whatever that's that's yeah yeah oh no it's a huge i mean i I think the amount of impact those videos and magazines had across the world were i mean it's so difficult to put into words because it's like anybody that watched it's, any of those segments it's like oh wait the skater picked this you know bad religion song or whatever like i have yeah. to listen to this and every kid was doing that it's so cool
2: yeah i mean it's like our generations tiktok
1: exactly that's totally the case In yeah because way. you knew Right. Because you, you knew that that particular skater or magazine put that in front of you for a reason. So you're like, okay, I have to pay attention to it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And,
1: And so. As you were getting into you know punk and hardcore after that um you know Mashuga show and you started to bring that stuff home to your parents and your siblings, were you always the the weird one where it's like what is Jose into all these weird bands? Like how are they reacting to you?
2: I still am actually. <laughs> okay. Uh, what, perfect. Uh, uh thing is that as I told you uh my stepfather was not my favorite uh so when i started listening to metallica i actually bought a metallica shirt, and he didn't like that at all because it was like a skull on it so he he wouldn't allow me to to wear that shirt. so i always had it like in my backpack and put it on when i left home going to school right <laughs> of course uh, so, yeah and uh but then like around that time i like moved i was like almost 17 mm-hmm. And I moved out from my parents actually, uh, and then, yeah. So, so they they didn't have that much connection to all that kind of stuff because I had to hide it when when I lived at home, and, um, and then when I moved out, uh, it, it was okay to like live out my hardcore dream. And right. So, so they kind of missed all that stuff.
1: Right, and. When you were going to, you know, school and, you know, just figuring out who you were and maybe what you were going to do with your your life, uh, was there any focus for you besides music? It was basically like, that's all you paid attention to? Or did you have an idea that you were going to, you know, do something else for a job?
2: Um, I kind of have like an idea. But that started to like to fade. <laughs> the more I got into hardcore, like my last two years in school were not that good because I was just like uh, started to get into music. We started the record label, and my last year I was on tour a lot, so so I skipped school quite a lot. So so I have an ambition, but it kind of like I don't know hardcore came came in the way the last two years, I guess. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, well Yeah, and it, I haven't stopped since that, so, so I don't know.
1: It, yeah, you just keep keep doing it. Keep following your passion.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Was um do you feel like, you know, when you were I know you've spoken about starting Abananda where you guys had no idea what you were doing and you could barely play your instruments. Right. And um mm-hmm. True. What, what, was that just because you basically are like, okay, I I have to start a band? Like I know yeah. that this is just what I have to do.
2: Exactly. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. got it. That's basically because because I mean we didn't know how to play anything, uh, and we just I actually tried to play bass, but I, I really sucked, uh, so I couldn't do that. I mean I didn't know how to sing at all, but we just. We just started like doing covers um, at our rehearsal room. And like, we played some bad religion song. We played like a sub society song, if you know that, from some mm-hmm. skateboarding movie. And we played like a minor threat song. And we did that like over and over and over again. And after like a couple of months, we just started writing our own songs. Um, and they kind of sucked from the beginning. Uh, but then when we recorded like our first album, we got, uh, Christopher into the band and he was a good guitar, guitarist and a guitar player. So, and he knew more about songwriting and all that stuff. So, so that helped us a lot. So when we, when we did like our first album, the senseless album, we actually, well, we had gotten better because we had practiced like a couple of years and we got a guy in, in the band that could actually play and, and did know about writing songs. So. So that, that helped us a lot, but yeah, we didn't know, we didn't have a clue what we were doing from the beginning. I mean, nothing. Right. (laughs) Which
1: I honestly, like, I mean, I remember when I first heard senseless and I started to pay attention to everything that was happening over there, there was this element, you know, early, the early refuse stuff as well, where it was really, it was really sloppy, but in a good way. Like, (laughs) yeah. you know, like you could tell that everybody wanted to do something and be better, but it wasn't quite there yet, but it was still yeah. good. And like, I, I think that's like most bands, and yeah. I know that be, because you've worked in the music industry for a long time, they try to figure out the balance between those two, where it's like, okay, is it too polished or is it too sloppy? Like, we don't know.
2: And for me, hardcore is more about like a special feeling. And sometimes it has to be sloppy to to, to bring that feeling to, I, I don't know how to explain this, but uh, uh, it doesn't have to be perfect. Um, right. A hardcore record. Uh, I mean, you don't have to play like everything perfect. You It doesn't have to sound like perfect uh, and it can still be good. <laughs> mm, yeah, yep, whatever. exactly. Right.
1: And when you started, um, you know, playing shows and putting out records under Desperate Fight, like, the idea of, you know, being a business person, like, no one really wants to, you know, describe themselves (laughs) like that, because it's like, okay, I'm getting paid, you know, a 100, right. (laughs) But, but you, but you had to learn some of that. So, like, did you, I guess, like learning how to, you know, put out records and be... Um, you know a business person or was that just like oh i have to do that because that's just
2: what's expected uh i mean i guess it's like a little bit both if that makes sense um it's like sometimes one way and sometimes the other <laughs> but um i mean we started desperate fight to put out the first Abinanda because there was no other record who, who wanted to to do it so so we just did it ourselves and and to be honest I, I don't know if we were supposed to start a record label we just we just did and and things like just happened um and and everything like grew along the way and we made a lot of mistakes of course but we yeah I didn't get to learn a lot of stuff as well that that yeah that that I'm still like using today in 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 my professional life since I still work with music. Um, So so I I don't really know. I mean, what is what, but we just, we just did whatever had to be done.
1: Evilgreed.net is a website that you absolutely need to go to, to shop for merch, shop for vinyl. All of the bands that are featured on there are viewed through a lens that I would like to call artistic heavy stuff. And so it isn't like Evil Greed opens the door to every record label or band that wants to use their service. They kind of act like a record label. But before I go on any further, use this promo code, 100Words, that gets 10% off of your entire order. They're located in Berlin, Germany, but the shipping rates are advantageous to us here in America right now. So hop on that. You will not lose by going to the website and just shopping. Let me just throw some bands out there. You're a fan of The Armed? Cool, they got stuff. You're a fan of Deicide? No problem. How about Death Heaven? How about Angel Dust? Like They have so much cool stuff, again, of all the artistic heavy stuff that I personally drink up, and I know you will too. So again, use the promo code 100Words, 10% off of your entire order, and you will enjoy shipping that will get to you fat like I've ordered from them before. And it's gotten to me in like, I don't know, eight or nine days all the way from Berlin, Germany. It's so cool. And plus, if you're a band or record label that is looking for some help over in Europe, please contact evilgreed.net. Anyways, I love what they do and I love them and I love them for supporting the show. So again, evilgreed.net, 100 words is the promo code. Go do
0: it now.
1: The scene and what you were participating in, in Umea, like, you know, straight edge, vegetarianism, veganism, like that was really central to who you all were. And it was really interesting as well. Coming from America where like, yes, there were of course straight edge and vegan bands and, you know, political bands, but you guys were very upfront about it. <laughs> and I, Uh, was that just because of you wanted to I guess be recognized on different levels like not only it's like hey here's our band you know we might be good but we're also straight edge we're also vegetarian you know like we're also vegan like was there a thought process like as you are all getting into that or were you all just like influencing each other
2: Uh, well that's a good question Uh, because to be honest when I got like into uh, vegetarianism and straight edge and all that stuff. I mean, of course I was all those records from, from America were like a big influence to us, like reading all the lyrics, from the youth of today albums or earthquakes or whatever. Uh, but I, I kind of like got into that stuff and this might sound silly, but to be cool, <laughs> to be like different, uh, Kasumiya mm-hmm. is like a, it's a town, as you, as you said, like far up north. Uh, it's like far from everything else. And the only thing people do over there is like play ice hockey and get drunk. So when we like realized there was something else out there that we could like not drink and like be vegetarians, it sounds, it sounded really, like really cool. And we just, I did it from the beginning just because oh this sounds cool and then just i got into it and and it's still my way of life but i mean we were like 16 70 years old we didn't have a clue it just sounded cool oh they don't drink over there oh they don't eat meat let's try it (laughs) Uh, right so I, i don't know i don't know if that answers your question but
1: no it, uh, it, uh, it, it, it's, it, it it's does it's not like a
2: much matur- it's not like a mature decision you take when you're grown i mean we we're just kids and reading lyrics uh from albums we liked and by oh this sounds cool let's try it uh yeah and i mean 93 well, in umia to say oh i'm a vegetarian i don't eat meat. they like look at you like a, a kind of zombie or something like a ghost Uh, right (laughs) so and 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 i like that i mean (laughs) yes i I wanted to be different
1: yeah no and i i think what you're talking about is what i would guess because you you had this group of friends you had this community everybody was participating in one of those things whether they were straight edge vegan vegetarian and you were the weirdos of the town you just wanted to stick out even more and be like oh yeah we don't do any of this like we're playing in bands we're doing all this weird stuff over here and that's fine you can have your yeah. you know normal drinking or whatever like i just don't need it
2: yeah exactly i mean when i i, I remember the 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 vegetarianism part because i got like british first and then it's vegetarianism and that was when we i mean we ordered like the uh, video cassettes from the states with, like. with Music videos, and, w- and one day we got the, the Youth of Today No More video, and we couldn't like stop watching it because we thought it was so cool. Um, so right. that, that's how I got into vegetarianism, and it, and it was just like for us seeing yeah. that video like was everything. Uh, being stuck up there in the dark and the winter and the snow and, and all that shit, to get in a to see, like, yeah. I don't know.
1: I don't yeah, know what I'm getting. No, at, for sure. But you understand? <laughs> no, I do. I do. And when you started to, um, you know, tour Europe more uh, actively with mm-hmm. um the. Uh, touring Europe, uh, I mean, obviously you've you've done some stuff in America as far as traveling over here and you know being with bands and stuff like that. I I know Abenanda obviously never made it over to the U.S. No, well we're but,
2: supposed to go there, but right. we got this uh, like six weeks long tour with One in Europe instead. So I think we were going to tour with Despair for like a couple of weeks in the States, but then they offered us to do, to open for one or eight for six weeks in Europe. And we kind of, yeah, let's do that instead. Uh, R- right. And would you like, when you started
1: to tour Europe, was it what you anticipated or was it really different than, you know, just like going up to weekend shows in Norway or whatever?
2: Uh, hmm. It kind of changed along the way. Cause, cause we, uh I mean we started like doing those really small do-it-yourself shows and and I guess like when we started to get the records out and and people like got a hold of them and 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 it, it kind of like everything grew along the way. Uh for every new tour like things got bigger and bigger in some kind of way. Uh but I mean, nah, I mean, we didn't do anything else. Uh, we just like went along with whatever happened, and we started like touring in a shitty van. And we like our last tours were in a big like uh, bus with our own beds and and whatever. And then it got too big for me, so so we just I quit the band. But that's another question, <laughs>
1: right? that i that no that i was going to ask about because (laughs) touring touring is very difficult even in the best of circumstances and um yeah so
2: and we never i mean mean, our band was growing but we never had like the best of circumstances i mean it was still like a punk rock tour uh yeah
1: right and, and you knew, like, once you started to do that, like, you knew that that wasn't really um, the life you wanted to live, like, constantly on the road and everything like that? Or were there multiple reasons for you not wanting to play in a band anymore? Uh,
2: oh, that's a hard question. I mean, at that young age, you, you don't know much. Uh, but I loved you, it. Yep. Yeah. But uh, I guess, like, a, a lot of different things came in the way. I mean, everything from, like, girlfriends to... uh we weren't doing the music that i was into and stuff like that uh and then like spending a lot of time with like your best friends in a bus um it's not like always the best thing to do you need to like get away from each other sometimes uh so Uh i guess if if we had like I mean, we weren't doing the band for the same reasons as we started the band. I mean, we were just like friends who didn't know how to play and, and that wanted to have fun in a rehearsal room. And at the end, it was more like a business and uh, some tours we did because we had to, because, oh, we did we did this record. Now we have to go out and tour and promote it because blah, blah, blah. Yeah, because cause that's the way you do it. And And like maybe... I didn't want to, or like guitar player didn't want to, and but we had to do it anyways. And it, it, it was like more an obligation than, than just something you did for fun. Um, and, and I guess, yeah, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't know yeah. what else to say, but
1: no, that's fine. It, yeah. It, it wasn't and I, dis- I mean,
2: the feeling wasn't the same as since the beginning. Um,
1: yeah. Well once you become a part of the music business like there in you know people depend on you and it's like okay yeah. people have invested in our band and you know gave us an advance on a record and exactly, all this stuff exactly. start yeah you you start to feel different about it and yeah is you're not touring or you're not being creative because you want to it's like oh these people have spent you know 10,000 euros on us so we got to go out and do this tour or whatever
2: Exactly. Exactly. And, and I mean, the band was like a—it it wasn't like a full-time job. I mean, of course we, we, so we had to like do the band, but then we had to go home. And I, I had the record label, and all the other guys had like jobs and stuff like that. So, but it wasn't that easy to combine all the time, because um, you have to, to. I mean, at that point when we were when we actually stopped playing, it was like. Oh, we have to we have to like go all in on this or just like don't do it anymore. Um and I guess we chose the the second one.
1: Yeah. Well and to be fair too, I think that most bands of the nineties and even going into the two thousands, the idea of making a living off of hardcore, like you didn't do that. Like that was not even <laughs> a that was not even a possible thought. So the idea of you being like, okay, I got to balance the record label. You know, I got to balance the band. I have to balance my, you know, normal life. Like, how do I do all of these together? That's really difficult.
2: Yeah. Cause like they're hard uh, to play in a hardcore band. It's like a full time commitment anyways. I mean, if, if you want to do like all the records we wanted to do and look touring and all that stuff. Uh, and but you can't still like live uh out of hardcore uh, all the way so so you have to put like a lot of time in, and we wanted to do it i mean the time wasn't the problem but but it's still a problem because you you need to to live out of, i mean you have to pay rent uh yeah so we have to put like a full-time job in the band but then still we have to work so you can pay all your bills so yeah it was like like it wasn't the easiest right. of combinations yeah.
1: And on on that topic, um I know I'm always fascinated with how supportive the, you know, governments are across the world of arts and whether it's, you know, grant programs or what have you. And because America, we obviously don't have anything like that. It's not like a band has ever been paid 1 dollar off of uh, anything that they have done. I know that there is an element of that up in Sweden. Did uh you Definitely. guys or yeah did you guys ever participate in that? Was there ever like oh we could do this show because you know it's at the youth hostel and you know the government is going to yes. you know give us a th- thousand euros for that?
2: Definitely. Uh, we have. I mean, our first tours in Sweden. were actually um. Paid. I don't remember if like they pay like fifty percent of everything. Because if we have like a if if a place booked us and gave us like a guarantee of like fifteen hundred euros, the government they put in as much as the guarantee. So so we we get double what the club paid us, and that of course helped. Okay, a lot. Uh, but this is like mid nineties, so, so I don't even know if that system is around anymore but but we 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 definitely uh got some help from the state um yeah yeah
1: it it just like i said it's just so fascinating because you know never never in america would a hardcore band get any support (laughs) whatsoever and so i just love the fact that you know it's like I, I still remember watching, you know, documentaries of, you know, Fenrez from Dark Throne or whatever where it's like, oh yeah, I just like l- live off of Dark Throne. It's like, what? What do you mean? Like I understand <laughs> Dark Throne's a you know, yes, it's an important yeah. black metal band, but it's like, what? This is crazy.
2: Yeah, and you could yeah, I mean, you could get a lot of other stuff as well cuz we didn't know it back then, but we there were a lot of money to to get from the stay I mean, that situation is not as good as back then. Everything is going to the worse, like the whole world is. Yeah. But that's another question. (laughs) But there still are. Yeah. Uh, there still is like some help to get out there. Um, not in the same extent as before, but, but there is, there is some, some money. I mean, you get like, you can get money to, to do a record. You can get money to, to tour. You can get actually get money to go over to the States and, and, and do some sessions over there. And there's, there is still some, some help to get over here. But as I told right, you, it's right. getting worse. <laughs> it's y- yeah. less and less. I
1: totally understand. And when you decided to, um, you know, stop putting out records and like, obviously you weren't playing in Abenanda, and was there, you know, difficulty just because, you were probably known for many years as like, oh yeah, Jose from Desperate Fight or Abananda. Like, was there a difficulty sort of transitioning into, you know, a life without those things? Or did you just kind of view it as like, oh, here's the next chapter?
2: Mm, I just moved from India. I moved to Stockholm. Uh, I just like left everything behind. Uh, I mean, not that easy. I mean... (laughs) It wasn't as simple as I'm saying it now. It took like a year or something, but, but yeah, I just got like fed up of everything. I needed a break from it. Um, and I mean, UMA is a small town, uh, and that's good sometimes, but it can be bad as well. Cause like everybody knew who I was and whatever I did or, uh, yeah. So I just, I just wanted to leave. Uh, and my, my girlfriend at that time, wanted to move as well to Stockholm to, to study. So I just said, bah, yeah, whatever, let's go. And I just left everything behind. Right. Uh, kind of. Right, yeah. So no, it, it, it was quite, and I mean, it, I, I did like to move to S- Stockholm. It's like a, a better city at least <laughs> than, than Umeå. And, right. and I, I, I did like to be like just the regular guy. right absolutely yeah.
1: the um la- last few things i wanted to hit on i know mm-hmm. that the uh Abhinanda record the rumble record that you guys put out you know many years later when you obviously mm-hmm. weren't really you know touring or you know playing shows here and there um i i love that record i know a lot of people mm-hmm. Especially, especially in the states, we're just looking at it being like, oh yeah. So they they're just trying to put out their Refused record or whatever. You know, they want to
2: write off the shape of punk to come. We actually recorded that album before Refused did the shape of punk to come. So right, just so you know, right, yeah. Oh, like all the uh, uh, the strings and all that stuff was recorded before Refused did their stuff, but the album came out later than the Refused one.
1: (laughs) Right, just so you know. I mean, just
2: for for the record.
1: exactly for the record um was that really fun for you to play that particular style
2: I. I that's like the that kind of kind of the this the start uh of the end of the band because i didn't like that at all i was just like a hardcore kid and they wanted to play more like rock music uh and i actually i hated that album uh with just did and actually we did a tour after that, but we 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 had already like broken up. I mean, I think we broke up during the recording of that album. Uh, okay. But since since people were putting, as you said, like a lot of money into that, we we actually did a tour after the album, anyways. But I did not like that record at all. But now, like twenty years later, or whatever, or twenty five, or uh I kind of. I kind of changed my mind. I mean, it's good. It's kind of good. I mean, we did something like different. Um, but my problem back then was that I just wanted to like strive mouthpiece songs and play just plain hardcore. Um, right. But the rest had gotten too good at their instruments, so they, they just wanted to develop and they just wanted to do something else. And that whole helicopters and was getting big in Sweden and then, oh, let's do more rock and see what happens. But uh, uh, No, I, I hated that album when we recorded it, but I kind of love it now. <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: and I, just because of where I was paying attention to everything that was going on in Sweden, not only in the hardcore scene, but it's like, you know, mm-hmm. got into bands like Kent and obviously Helicopters, New Bomb Turks, like all of that stuff. So it's like, I could see where you know you guys would want to progress musically but i do understand mm. what you're talking about where it's like <laughs> i just want to sound like strife i don't want to i don't want to sound like exactly. New Bob Turks, okay exactly,
2: exactly exactly i don't want to i don't want to be like like a uh, a helicopter's copycat i i i mean i got into this music like ordering outspoken records from my cartoon <laughs> uh, or whatever strife albums from Tony Victory. Uh, I don't want to do like some shitty, cheesy rock and roll music. But yeah, I guess it changed my mind like some years later. Yeah. <laughs> but back then I could yeah, I couldn't stand absolutely. it. I mean I I didn't want to do it. And it was like uh me against the rest. I was I, I was the one like trying to just do hardcore and the rest just wanted to do something else. Um, yeah, I don't know. It wasn't like my best time, <laughs> but it but sure, sure. came, came out quite good.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of that, like it, it seems like the music scene in general, and I know that you obviously were have worked in the music industry for a long time at Bad Taste. It seems like, mm-hmm everybody kind of knows each other in Sweden, <laughs> like the oh, yeah. music industry. Uh, and yeah, so it's yeah. like, cause I, I just love, I just love the idea where it's like, you know, Nina from the Cardigans is dating, you know, guys from the helicopters. I just love like that. <laughs> Everybody's m- mixing to, it up together. Uh, so like,
2: it, yeah. I, I had like, uh, cause Nina from the Cardigans, he was actually dating back then in the night. She was dating a guy from Numia, Well, a guy who lived in Numia. he wasn't from Numia. Uh, so she was actually in Umeo quite a lot when they just got like really, really big. And I was like completely in love with her. But that's another story. <laughs> but the thing is that her brother, uh, she he was like really into hardcore. So whenever she came up to 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 Umeo she came to desperate fight. So I could give her like a lot of hardcore records to bring to her brother. <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> That's so uh, I
1: see and that the these are the stories that I love to hear because like you said it, it, it's so it's such a small universe especially up there in Sweden where it's like oh yes like even though we're all playing different styles of music like everybody knows each other so it's like yeah even if you don't know what what like straight edge hardcore is like you know her her brother did so he needs all the desperate fight yeah, right exactly
2: exactly so she knows actually because of that da- uh, of her brother uh and uh, and then i mean there's a lot of people from the hardcore scene working in music business i mean some of the bigger bands in sweden working one way or another with the, with somebody attached to the hardcore scene
1: right uh, it's it's beautiful it's,
2: I mean, is who, the Swedish. Who fellow, the would you say- Yeah. Yes, of course, of course. Yeah, he's like he's a booking agent for Veronica Maggio and Tomas Tanso, like two of the biggest, biggest Swedish artists here in Sweden. And the guitar player Oscar is the manager for like Young Lean and uh, all of that. Yeah. So, so there is a lot of hardcore people still working in the music industry, like with big, big artists over here.
1: Right. No, I love. I love that. Um, the uh, the the last thing that I wanted to talk about was specifically your work with uh, big taste, where or bad taste. Sorry, um, where not big. Yeah. yeah, Yes, not big taste. Bad taste. (laughs) When um, when did you start? I guess wanting to work in the music industry and how did you transition into that?
2: Um. I got fed up from the music industry and the band and the label and everything when I moved to Stockholm. And I started to work with with football and soccer, uh, with sports. And I worked with sports for like 10 years or something like that. And then I don't even remember how, but I, st- I mean, I always knew the guys from Bad Taste. Uh, and I just like started... Hanging out with them again, and I I went to visit them. And because they have like a house in LA, I went to visit them over there. And we were talking about, yeah, we should do like a festival here in LA with Swedish bands and blah, blah, blah. And like some crazy ideas, like sometimes you just do. Uh, And then I think like just one thing led to another. And and I was working with music uh, again with bad taste. I don't even know how, but it just happened. They just like brought me back to to the music scene. Um, Yeah, I guess I just started hanging out with them uh, and I helped one of their artists, one of our artists slash producers. He wanted to put out a record and and I said like, well, I can step in and, and do something yeah whatever and that that was like the starting point of, of my way back into the music scene mm. yeah got it
1: i uh no it's it's great and i i think too exactly what you're talking about or, or what we've been saying where all of the stuff that you learned from you know running a label playing an abananda is stuff you still use today you know it's like everything yeah. like you know what it you know what it's like playing shows, you know, all of these exactly. different aspects of what the artists that you work with and manage, like you, yeah. you're on the same level. You understand.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and I think that's really good. Cause I mean, when I, when I speak to one of my artists, after they have played a show or before they're playing a the show, they know they have, that I have been there. So they're listening to, to whatever experience I might have. And, and I have, I have been doing like, I mean, as a manager, you work, with record labels, with uh, booking agents, with artists, and and I had done all that. I mean, I've been around and 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 I have been like doing all that stuff. I I used to run my own record label. I used to, to play in my band and etc. etc. So 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 yeah, that that helps me a lot today. Uh, yeah, because I, I mean, I, I I perfectly know how you can feel after a good show or a bad show or whatever. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I think that's, you know what good it's like, right? to have. Yeah. I know what it's like.
1: Yeah, exactly. And when you, um, when you actually started to play shows back with Abenanda, cause I know that our bands played together um, in Japan, if I'm not mistaken, we played pump up the volume fest or whatever. Um, and I, I know I was excited to see you guys. <laughs> I know it, it was suck. it was such a yeah. it was such a great no well <laughs> it, I think if I it, the the fest because I think we also played a club show together I could be wrong about yeah, that, that, that one and was, I think you yeah, guys the club,
2: the club shows were good
1: right uh, This right. the club one, show I, no, at least
2: I, I, was better at least the festival kind of sucked I mean we hadn't played for a so long time and it, and we were like I don't know right uh yeah whatever sorry (laughs) yeah no no it's okay
1: i was just uh, i was gonna ask where when you started to you know play shows again and you know i mean you just released new abanada music you're obviously doing the discography um what you know does it feel really different or does it feel like you were back in the you know practice space as you were just trying to be a terrible band and you know do cover songs or whatever like does it feel different
2: uh it feels different because cause, i mean we are like way much older and we can look at things in another way. i mean we know if we because back then in japan uh there's like it must be like 12 years ago we did a lot of practice before we were like really sucked really would really wanted to do that and see what happened and, and and it was and it was like i mean it didn't turn out as good as i wanted to. I was kind of disappointed because I didn't enjoy it. It was, it wasn't, yeah, I was expecting it to be fun, but it wasn't. Uh, so that kind of sucked. Um, so that wasn't like a good experience. But when we play now, uh, with like a show in Stockholm, we did a couple of shows in Belgium and stuff. Uh, it was really fun. We didn't rehearse at all. We just rehearsed. Yeah. We did one rehearsal one day the day before the show. We just went up on stage and played and had such a good time. It was just fun. We didn't I mean we weren't planning for anything bigger. We weren't thinking about oh we might do this forever. We this is just the only we just went up on stage and decided to just have fun. Um and it was fun. And and the show the show turned out really good and and we really did enjoy it. And and I think the difference is that we just take it take, take it as it comes uh, I would like to take just one show at a time, uh, and what happens happens uh we don't make like, right. any big yeah. plans for anything, or we do we don't say that this is the last show, we just yeah, if everyone is up for it, we just do it and and if we enjoy it, we might do it again or would we'll, or not, you never know uh, and right. I think like Absolutely. not 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 feeling any pressure. Uh, uh, is what what makes it fun. I mean, we're just doing it because we actually love the music and we love the songs. And, and, uh, well, I don't even love the songs, but I love the whole idea of the hardcore scene and I, and, and I love, uh, everything that hardcore gave me. So when I go on stage now, I can just like remember back. And and try to like live all those years for one night just once and just see it what it is like. Some old men having fun, and as long as we have fun and and the people in the audience audience have fun, I mean, why not? Let's do it. But but I think that yeah, the pressure. Every, is everybody down. wins. The pressure is gone. Yeah, everybody wins, and 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 not feeling that this is like. It has to be perfect or whatever. I mean, we can be sloppy and and we don't care. We don't even have to practice. We just do it because it's fun. Um.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I don't know if
1: right. And so it's in 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 a way, it actually is like what it was at the beginning, where it's like there was no expectations. You know, exactly. Yeah, you sort of prepared, but you were like, well, whatever, we don't have to impress anybody. So here we go. Here's our Gorilla Biscuits cover.
2: Exactly. And we do actually a Gorilla Biscuits cover.
1: There you have it. Hopefully that gets you a little bit closer to the Swedish hardcore scene. And just, it was such... An interesting thing for me to observe as a person in Southern California, but then also to have these discussions with people who were on the ground there, whether it was uh, Johannes from Cult of Luna, Dennis from Refused. You can dive into those conversations in the archives, but I just find it so fascinating that this really, really small town in Sweden was like the epicenter of hardcore for, you know, a good couple of years. It was just so cool. So thank you very much, Aussie from End Hits Records for bringing the idea to the table, and Jose for being a great chat. Like I said, check out the Abinanda box set that is coming soon on End Hits Records. Next week, I have another fun discussion. This one is with Connor McAuliffe. I've never said his last name out loud, so, you know, that's neither here nor there, but he plays in Magnitude. He also plays in One Step Closer. And, um, yeah, both are great bands. I love them. I had to pursue him <laughs> to come on the podcast not not like a stalker way, but, uh, you know, just in a way that I was like, Hey, you got to ask some friends, you know, in the, in the scene, so to speak. And I, I don't know Connor, I want to reach out to him. And then, um, yeah, hooked us up on, on text and then there we go. We did it. So that is what we have next week. And until then, please be safe, everybody. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp.